This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. weekly podcast this is take two of the podcast <laughs> being honest with the audience here we had brian goldfinger from goldfinger injury law our sponsor for the rappers weekly podcast with us hey brian hello how are you doing so why don't you recap what we talked about for the last 10 minutes we had a great discussion all about the raptors Kawhi leonard my legal practice and what a great head coach you will make for the raptors this season we were at Kawhi. Yes, we were. Let, let's jump in right into the mix and skip the intro. Okay. <laughs> and and, and let's, we were talking about Kawhi in a, in a pretty deep fashion. And uh, I asked you the question whether this would still be a good trade if he walked away. And you were emphatic in your answer that, yes, yes. you have to judge this trade on its own merit no matter what happens after. Correct. Uh, we have seen the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan nucleus rolled out year after year. And they have not succeeded. We have seen their ceiling, what it is. And I harp back to the Washington Wizards series, not the one we just won in six, but the one where we got swept in four. And that was a DeMar DeRozan-led team. And we we lost to, frankly, a poor Washington team in four without showing any heart or effort. And those games were not even close. To roll that out again year after year is the definition of insanity. And Masai Ujiri has to do his job and his commitment is to winning uh, for the city and bringing home a championship. And he's made that calculated decision that this is the best move towards bringing that championship to Toronto. If Kawhi walks at the end of the contract, we get to um, kind of steer the ship in terms of what we want to do, what direction we want to take, as opposed to being locked into DeMar because we're loyal to DeMar for many, many, many years. Look what's happened in Dallas with the loyalty to Dirk Nowitzki for many years. They have not been performing. Uh, If Kawhi walks, you get to reset in terms of what you're going to do with all that money that you would have paid to Kawhi or to DeMar, and you can allocate that appropriately, and you can build with that new nucleus. I like that idea of steering your own ship as opposed to being a prisoner to uh, the, the loyalty slogan. Any impact on Kyle Lowry? He, he's lost a pretty... Uh, he's lost his best friend. Yeah. Does it, it matter? It, does that matter? No, it doesn't. Kyle's paid a lot of money to play. Mm-hmm. I have zero sympathy for these guys. <laughs> right now, Kyle Lowry, he might be in Los Angeles hanging out with DeMar. He might be in Philly hanging out with his buddies. It doesn't matter. When Kyle Lowry retires, he will have all the time in the world to hang out in Palm Beach with DeMar DeRozan or wherever he wants to hang out with him. These guys at the end of the day are not normal people. They aren't. They're paid insane amounts of money, travel in luxury jets from destination to destination to play a game that they love, and that's the game of basketball. So you can't play with your friends? So be it. Maybe you'll play with them another time. Who knows? 
we were talking about Nick Nurse a little bit before and uh, and how his hiring was a bit underwhelming. And that, that was how <laughs> yeah. most people described yeah. the hiring, especially when you kind of got uh, hyped up about Coach Bud a little bit. Yeah. You went with Nick Nurse. Um, you mentioned earlier that you know you expected Jerry Stackhouse to be promoted, and a lot of people thought the same way. Yeah, because the Raptors have this uh, have this approach where they will develop young guys or young coaches and try to and try to bring them up the ranks. Uh, why didn't Stackhouse happen? I don't know why it didn't happen. I really don't know. Uh, I thought they were going to give it to Stack because it would have sent a message to the whole organization that. Uh, you can start from the bottom and work your way up so long as you work hard and you are a professional towards your craft and you're successful at it. And, and Coach Stackhouse with the 905, he was very successful. He won a championship. And it just would have sent a great message to the organization. Why he wasn't promoted to the ultimate job, I don't know. I know stories that you know Stack is a bit of a confrontational guy. That's what I've heard. It might have been that. It might have been other things. Maybe technically with the X's and O's, he's not the guy. I don't know. Uh, but at the end of the day, Stack still has a job. I think what he's in Memphis now on mm-hmm. the bench with yeah. like an army of other assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. And with Nick Nurse, I was telling you on version one of the pod, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. So it was an underwhelming hire, but they know this guy and they know what he's about. And he also knows the players. They like his focus. They like his vision. Roll the dice. But I also said on the other pod, I really don't think that the coaching on this team will matter for the regular season. I really think that a Zarar Siddiqui, that's the right way to pronounce your last name, yeah, right? Yeah, you got it. Toronto coached Raptors team would still have between 50 to 55 wins this year if you were the head coach. I don't know if I can buy that one, but I don't want to pursue that, uh, that discussion <laughs> right now. Because like I, I think that implies an unreal level of maturity with the actual players. Okay. Uh, which... Maybe I would buy if um, if I if I'm part of a more mature team, which has been which has experienced maybe the finals a couple times. Right. But for the Raptors, who can't even get past, can't win a game against uh, LeBron, um, you know, with a coach, without a coach, I'm not sure how much they would do. But you're just lo- you're just looking there at the winning. You're not looking at the playoff experience. The whole roster now has a f- few rounds of playoff experience under their belts. Uh, what is it? Danny Green is there. He could basically coach a team. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he could coach a team in sign language because mm-hmm. he doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got a few guys who have been there. Kyle Lowry, he's apparently a savant. You know, mm-hmm. he knows his stuff. Uh, and I think you could just do a good job like Cito Gaston did with the Toronto Blue Jays, just steering the ship, making sure everybody is kind of towing the company line and making sure things get done. Do you remember the last player coach the NBA had? No. Who is that? I don't know, but oh, I oh, think oh, it was... I know, LeBron. LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think he was player, coach, owner. LeBron. <laughs> slash GM. GM, GM, right. I think it was Lenny Wilkins. Oh, the most losingest coach in NBA history. I, I saw Lenny Wilkins. We were talking about uh, Detroit. So I went to law school in Windsor, and I went to a lot of Piston games, and I remember going to the Pistons, Raptors, and Glenn Grunwald was there. And Lenny Wilkins was the most despondent coach I've ever seen on a sideline. He was just sleepwalking. He was just going through the motions. He was brutal. And I went up to Glenn, and I said, hey, I'm – my name's Brian. I'm from Toronto. And he was very happy to meet another guy from Toronto. But there were a lot of people over there from Toronto. And the first thing I said to him, look him dead in the eye, I said, so when are we getting rid of Lenny? And he looked at me. He was really pissed off. He says, nice speaking with you. Enjoy the game and walked off. And mm-hmm. that was it. And then he fired Lenny how many years later? I don't know. He yeah. was there for I, I They must have cut a deal. Like, Lenny, uh, we're bringing you into a difficult situation. 
Uh, you're coming to Toronto, which is Siberia at that time. They thought of it as Siberia. Uh, we will keep you on no matter what. And Lenny just picked up a paycheck and went off his on his merry way. And I think at that time in the franchise's evolution, um, we were looking for some any sort of name to come stick yes. with the team. And Lenny at the time was, you know, all time winning his coach. So maybe that probably had something to do with it. It was all about credibility. And that goes back to the history of the franchise. It started out as a as like a, a Barney franchise for the family. I remember when it first came out, it said, we're going to be called the Raptors after Jurassic Park. There's going to be a big purple dinosaur on the jersey. And people look back at that with nostalgia. And to some extent, I do, because it reminds me of the past. But at the same time, it reminds me of the nexus of the Raptors, which was supposed to be just a family-friendly environment. That's what it was. And if you went to the games in the past, and even even now, it's at times more a circus than a basketball game. And that upsets me to a certain degree i understood why they did it in the past when basketball was new to the city but basketball is not new to the city anymore there's a more mature fan base out there and there's a younger rabid fan base out there as well that understands the game way better than we understood the game 20 years ago and there's no need for a, a circus carnival i would love for them to use the stadium lights like they do at msg or like they do in la and I don't know why the stadium lighting is only reserved for MSG in LA. Uh, I think we should do it here um, because I think that Toronto has matured a lot as a basketball market. And you're referring to the theater lighting. The theater where, lighter, where the court yeah. is lit and the back of the arena is a little dark. Yeah, yeah. me and uh, Barry from the Talking Raptors podcast are, are proponents of that. And also like less... Um, you know, uh, less whatever distractions during yeah. the game. Uh, but the counter argument to that has always been that um, it's a family thing. And it's like, there's like eight year olds there and they, you can't expect them to watch the court. You want, you want a family thing? Go to the baseball we both, game? No, we both <laughs> have kids. You take your kid to the 905. It's great. The Raptors 905. That's a great family atmosphere. That's a lot of fun. You get tickets for, you know, what is it? Five or 10 bucks. Uh, there aren't as many breaks in the action. You got, uh, I think it's stripes the Raptor going around. That's a lot of fun. Uh, this is a, a, a professional basketball game at the highest level. Treat it as such. Don't treat it like a carnival. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that one, man. Uh, let's, let's talk roster a little bit. Um, and we were talking about JV. Uh, right. we, we were commending JV on V1 of the podcast on having a pretty smooth three. Is it reasonable to expect that he can be the new center in the NBA, this modern center that can actually hit threes and play defense? Because that, that's that's the main yeah. slight against him. And and Will Lou always talks about uh, JV as being, a, quote unquote, a relic of the past. Yes. Are you, wh- wh- where do you stand on that one? You know what? Um, look at his footwork in terms of not in the post, his post work, but his footwork, how light is and quick is he on his feet? I'll give you an example of a center who's seven feet or so, who's quick on his feet, Jakob Pertl. He was. He had excellent footwork. He was very light on his feet. JV just isn't. He's had better footwork over the past, but he's just it's not his natural game. Him moving out and extending his game towards three is more modern, yes. Uh, but in terms of being able to switch, uh, I think that's asking him to go above and beyond his natural abilities uh, as opposed to another center like let's say Clint Capella if you classify him as a center that's who I instantaneously think about uh, who's better on his feet but I commend JV on working on his game such that his three uh, has was very consistent last year and I hope it develops this year and and is just as consistent Mm -hmm. Uh, you look at the roster what's our strongest position right now is is, is it Kawhi 
Kawhi oh, and, the the, and, and the three. wings. Yeah, wings. And after we get Jimmy Butler, it'll be even stronger. So you'll have OG, you'll have Kawhi, and you'll have Jimmy Butler. It'll be fantastic. But it's, you, it's at the wing. <laughs> it, 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 would you give up OG to get Jimmy Butler? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no hesitation there. No hesitation because yeah. OG, you, you, OG has a promising future, uh, but Jimmy Butler is now and Kawhi is now. So you go for it now, full stop. <laughs> let's segue. Let's segue to something totally different. Do you remember that Lakers team when they acquired like Malone, Payton? Oh, uh, 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 oh uh, I think the that glove. was no, no, no. Didn't they get Gary, Gary Payton? Payton yeah, Gary yeah. Payton the glove. Yeah, yeah. And th- that's the team we were talking about. We wanted the pod that your Pistons at the time <laughs> they hammered. They destroyed. They yeah. destroyed him yeah. like five one. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, what did you think of that experiment with the Lakers? That was that was unreal, man. I think they had four Hall of Famers in five positions. They're the Lakers. That's what they do. It's like <laughs> it's like they're the Lakers in the Heat. It's like they snap their fingers and then. And they get all these Hall of Famers to come, and they're instant co- contenders. You know, they the Lakers did it this year with LeBron. You know, they're 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 going to be right up there w- with uh, with the other teams in the West. They'll be in the playoffs, and who knows what'll happen the following year because LeBron is just a magnet for other talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they were ridiculous. Yeah. All right, uh, back to the roster. <laughs> so, so J- JV, I think I think you're you're saying it's too much to expect defensive agility from him, but offensively, I think he can he can do the job. Yeah, but you know what? Also, we have to take into consideration is uh, point of attack defense on this Raptor roster uh, because w- acquiring Kawhi Leonard, who is going to be the best defender in the Eastern Conference, if not the NBA, if healthy, that's going to help everybody else. So JV perhaps might not have to switch as much as he would with, say, a guy like DeMar. He, uh, Kawhi, if he works out, will make everyone better on the defensive end and will make JV look better, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Nurse is supposed to be an offensive coach. Yeah. like He's supposed to be a very creative offensive guy uh, who has ideas on how to run a team. And the underlying thought has been that over the last few years uh, under Dwayne Casey, maybe he hasn't had uh, the freedom to express his ideas as much as he wanted to with Dwayne Casey opting for a more straightforward offense. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you um, uh, like, it, it, did you subscribe to that theory a little or no? I don't know. Dwayne Casey doesn't seem like the sort of guy to say, no, we're going, it's my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't know where I fall on that kind of spectrum. I think it's always a good thing to have a new voice in the locker room uh, when the team has reached kind of a plateau. And I think that perhaps Nick Nurse, you got you to gotta play a role. You know, he's the assistant coach. He's not the head coach. So if he's got to stay in his lane, so to say. If he wasn't staying in his lane as assistant coach, it kind of sets off the chain of command. So let's see what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The interesting spot to me is, uh, is actually a point guard. Uh, because we have Kyle Lowry obviously there, and then you have two guys who could easily compete for backup spot, which is uh, Fred, yes, and Delon. What about Lorenzo Brown, former G League MVP? Oh, he's going to be playing in the G League. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're not and- giving him his due. <laughs> I, I, I do think Delon Wright is walking around right now with a walker and a cane. He's old. You know that. <laughs> he spent four years in college. He's, mature, yeah. he's got the Andre Miller jeans. Four years in college. <laughs> I love Delon Wright. He's just old. Like that's 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 the reality. Like Delon Wright, he's old. Um, so it doesn't excite you. He he's good. He's serviceable. Yeah. It's like I'm looking at a lesser version of Sean Livingston to a certain extent. That's mm-hmm. who he reminds me of. Um, I like him, but if I could package him and a few other assets to get an all-star in Jimmy Butler, who's a win-now sort of player, 
I I get Jimmy Butler. I'd say thank you, Delon. Your talent and your potential is fantastic, and that's why we were able to acquire Jimmy Butler. Uh, we'd love to see you back, you know, for maybe another All Star Weekend sometime. Okay. Or come back for Alumni Day. Who knows? I, I, don't, I don't think I think it's take more than that to get Jimmy Butler. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, but I, think, <laughs> uh, I think that would be a no brainer. Yeah. Let's talk about the power forward position a little bit. Um, Ibaka, we talked a little about earlier. The Mafuzi chef, yes, uh, yeah, and. Right now, the thought is that it's OG's time, and right. he should be starting coming into the season, and the Raptors have to do whatever it takes to develop this guy and take him to the next level. What's Ibaka's role on this team, uh, and, and how do, where does OG fit into the, fit into the team? Aside, like, how, do you, aside, how do you reconcile those two? Aside from cooking, like excellent food for the team. Uh, Serge should, I think, start to start the season. Let's see what he brings out. If he is as rusty and looks as poor as he did in the playoff, then he's relegated to the bench. But you give him his shot. He deserves it. And sometimes in pro sports, money plays. And he's getting paid a lot of money. And it's not to sit on the bench. Let's see what you can do. And if he can't perform, then you move to OG or to Pascal or to somebody else, whoever that somebody else is. Uh, and if his role is to come out and play some moments at the five and to just come off the bench and kind of anchor it and to provide some mentorship, so be it. It is what it is, but you give the guy a shot to perform, and let's see what he brings in. I hope that last year's playoff was just kind of a glitch. I don't think it was. Like mm-hmm. I, I think he's done, but I still give him a shot because uh, you got to, and he's getting paid a lot of money. Do you think he still brings that his defensive ability? Is there some, still some value there? He brings something. I don't know what he is. Like, in theory, he should have a good mid-range game. Like, he's got good form. Mm-hmm. And in theory, he has good timing on his blocks. But I don't think the, the hops are up there as much. And I think that if he's relegated to the bench, Nick and the Mafuzi chef should have a talk in terms of what his new role is. And if he's coming off the bench to be a more energy guy, then bring that energy for, you know, if you're playing I don't know, 15 minutes minutes a game, bring that energy. And I think he'd perform very admirably in that role. Um, and there might be some spot matchups where he excels. You never know. But he's a good player to have in your pocket. Unfortunately, you're just paying him a lot of money to be that good player in your pocket. I have a small theory here. Is sure. that uh, there's been many instances where players come to Toronto. Yeah. They sign a deal or they come in via trade. And they somehow feel that they are afforded a higher level of yeah. freedom on the Raptors than they had previously in their career. I'd agree with Turkulu, that. Capono, the Capono. list goes on and on, <laughs> where these somewhat mediocre, above slightly above average players come to Toronto and they're like, you know what, I'm a superstar and this is where I'm going to show it. Yeah, Rudy Gay, does he fall there? I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Rudy Gay. I, I'd agree with that. Uh, it's my hope that that sort of culture changes given... I think the Raptors more mature and engaged fan base. I think in years past, in the Hito days, that was certainly the case. Like when Hito and me, even Capono, when they were coming here, they said, well, I'm coming to Siberia. Nobody's going to watch my games and I can do whatever I want. I think those times have changed dramatically. You know, you got a lot of eyeballs on this team. Just the Raptors Republic podcast in and of itself, like you... When the Raptors first came around, you guys did not, you know, exist. Or if you did exist, it certainly wasn't to this extent with your listener and your fan base. And I just think that the NBA audience in Toronto has evolved to a certain extent where we won't accept failure anymore. And the fan base is pretty vocal and gets upset where they see guys kind of mailing it in. Like if Vince Carter 
did to the Raptors in his last days in 2018, I don't think he'd get another contract. He was tipping off plays. He was there, there's a lot of Vince Carter revisionist history in Toronto going on. He's, he was the greatest rapper of all time, and he was the best guy, and he did the, the best stuff for Toronto. I still remember when Vince was mailing it in. I still remember when Vince was more focused about where his mom was seating rather than winning the game. I, I still remember those days. Vince Carter left this franchise a decade, you know, in collapse. The trade value we got, we got Eric Williams, Aaron Williams, Alonzo Mourning, who didn't play a single game, and some draft pick who never panned out. Uh, it set our franchise back 10 years. And now we're apologizing for that because Vince Carter supposedly influenced all these athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just fell off on a Vince Carter team. No, it's, it's, so, so I'm guessing of the... Uh of the do we retire Vince's jersey you're on the I think you'd retire DeMar or Kyle's jersey before Vince Um, I don't know where you sit on the Vince kind of fence but I I was at those games if that happened in the Twitter era he would not get a contract period it was inexcusable what he was doing he was literally tipping off plays he was crying and moping on the court because he just didn't want to be here you know I don't know why. And then he went to New Jersey and all the fat, sudden drank the water in New Jersey, found the fountain of youth and became Vinsanity again. Give me a break. Do you remember that play he had when he was on the break? Apparently he was injured and he laid the ball in. Yeah, because he, people don't need to see dunks anymore. Like, yeah. give me a break. Dunks are what, dunk, that's what the NBA is about. You know, he, he was something wrong with the head. And I, I, I think if you have a really candid discussion with Vince about his last year or so in Toronto, I think he'll be much more apologetic than he is on the kind of interviews he does on TSN or, or, or Sportsnet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really bad for, for people who were at the game live, who saw what goes on in between commercial breaks, what goes on, the stuff that's not on the camera. It was really bad. Mm-hmm. It was bad. Let's rewind further back in time. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and, and go to the Damon era. Yeah, yeah. And um, Damon was the first... Not superstar, but he was he was a star in the he NBA. Was. He was an he up was. and coming star who yeah. uh, who people respected, and I think the trajectory was that he was eventually going to make the All Star game. Maybe he was playing well enough. Um, then what happened? Like w- w- walk through our younger audience on what happened. What happened with Damon? Like he, we had that one year where we beat the Bulls. I think we won thirty games that year. I'll tell you a funny story about that. So there was a guy at my high school. I went to Langstaff Secondary School in Richmond Hill, and if you remember the ball boy for the Raptors back then, his name was Smiley. And he was a guy, he couldn't stop smiling. Kind of, kind of had a hunchback and his name was Smiley. Well, he went to my high school too. And his dad, he's like a big shooter. And he had the Raptors come to my high school. And they came, it just so happened the day after they beat the Bulls. Okay, the next day they came uh, to my high school. And uh, it was it was an insane day because everyone was on such a big high. And the Raptors, it was like, Oliver Miller was there, mm-hmm. and Oliver Miller had like a huge game. I don't know if the listeners remember Oliver Miller. Just look him up. He was like 400 pounds, 6'10", 400 pounds. Guy was huge. It wasn't really 400 pounds, but he's a big guy. Um, and he was just talking about the high he was on having beat Michael Jordan and the Bulls. So what was it like having David Stoudemire on the team and what happened to him? I think kind of like Vegas North got to him. A bit too much partying maybe in Toronto. And... I don't know. Like, I really don't know. He kind of fell off a cliff. Maybe too much partying. Maybe guys figured out his game. Maybe, 
uh, maybe you just said, you know what, I had a big year in Toronto and, and, and that's it. Now I'm, I'm off to bigger and better things. I, I think it was a year after maybe it was the, it was the year then the, what the Raptors won 16 games. And this was the year when, um, uh, when Glenn Grunwald apologized <laughs> to the entire fan base at Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, it was the, I think the last game of the season was against the Sixers maybe. And when Iverson basically dumped, dunked on Camby. You see, he, he, and it was just a, I think we lost by like 30 points yeah and it was during that season when uh, I think Damon was shipped as well yeah and I remember Daryl Walker Darryl being Walker. The, uh, the Raptors <laughs> coach and I also remember that he refused to play Tracy McGrady yeah who he had him had him stuck to the pine and he refused to play him because he was expecting work ethic from this 18-year-old whatever high school guy, high school guy yeah. who just came in. And that to me, that year was the darkest time for me as a Raptor because at that point, I, I honestly thought we might lose the franchise. Yeah, the funny thing is the younger generation now doesn't know what it was like for those dark years when the, the Raptors were playing at a mix between Maple Leaf Gardens and Sky Dome and having the whole upper tier kind of cut off. Uh, there were some very dark times and, and and very poor product, poor basketball product, period, uh, which is why Raptor fans across the board really need to enjoy or have enjoyed these past five years or so of the Raptors, you know, winning 50 games, making the playoffs consistently, even though they're getting swept. It doesn't matter. The fact is, guys like you and me who remember the, the, the dark times, this is great. It, it it's been fantastic. They they've been they were so awful for so long. They were such a farce. And the nexus of the Toronto Raptors as a franchise when it first came, it was about family fun. It was that big purple dinosaur. It was about getting the family to the game and learning about the game of basketball. They'd have I remember on like the jumbotron like basketball tips. If you hit a shot from beyond this arc, it is worth three points. <laughs> if you are fouled and you shoot a foul shot, this is how you line up, and it is worth one point. They would have instructional videos during the game because basketball was so new and fresh. But now the fan base has matured where we're demanding, you know, excellence. We want the team to succeed and we're not accepting uh, a piss poor product like in the days of you making reference to Daryl Walker saying Tracy McGrady so the young guy can't develop. Like that's insane. You know, that that just wouldn't happen now. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, and also in, in V1 of the pod, uh, you also talked about... Um how the how the fan base has matured to the point where you don't necessarily need so many shenanigans at the game. Right. Uh, that's a pretty hot topic internally at RR, at RR. <laughs> where uh, where there's a, the, the 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 staff is a little split on that one. I, I'm definitely of of, of your opinion where um, where I think it'd be nice to just you know you, you had a basketball game. Let's just enjoy the game. Yeah. Yeah. Enough with the sound effects. Like kids got to go to the games with, uh, uh, with, with like earphones, right. On, uh, blocking yeah. the sound noise counseling earphones. Like that's how little kids are going to the game. So they want to make it family friendly, but they got all these sound effects coming at them. They're, the kids are overstimulated. They're having seizures to the game. There's so many lights and, you know, uh, sparklers going off like mm -hmm. enough with the circus, just play basketball. You have a 50 win team on the court year after year. Who's making the playoffs consistently, uh, just focus on the game. The game is beautiful, and, they, and they're playing it the right way. You know, they, they've been really pleasant to watch. I think two generations of the Raptors being pleasant to watch, they were somewhat pleasant to watch this season uh, with the three-point shot and the better passing. 
And you know what was really odd? When the Raptors traded Rudy Gay and they brought that bench, they played the game really well. I don't know if you remember. They started passing the ball mm-hmm. with John Sammons and Grievous Vasquez and, and those guys. It was really pleasant to watch. And, and that's what I enjoy from the Raptors when it's a pleasant to watch game as opposed to uh, the sound effects and the hoopla and the, and the this and the that. Mm-hmm. Another trade, that uh, mid-season trade, I think it was, which resulted in some beautiful basketball, at least for the first 20 games, I remember, was the Danielle Marshall trade. Do you remember that one? I don't remember that one. Oh, yeah, we, we got Danielle Marshall mid-season, and we went on like Jalen Rose, Danielle Marshall, that, that those, team. Those teams were way too dark. Like, it was hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jalen Rose, like, yeah. really crickety with, like, you know, he needed, like, cod liver oil to just get on the court because he was so old and his joints were so bad. <laughs> and, you know, he was eating Cheetos before the game and Doritos. Like, yeah. I, I don't remember that. I remember Danielle Marshall, like, he hit, like, an exorbitant number of threes, yeah. right? Like, he had... Didn't he have the record or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he had like I think eight or nine. Or eight something. or nine threes. Yeah, it was yeah. like he can jack up the ball just like. Do you remember Mike James? Yeah, yeah, Mike James. Just like hey, here's the game plan, guys. Mike, take the ball and just shoot the ball. There's nobody else. Who, who was the coach back then with Mike James? Was it uh, Jay Triano? Might have been. Or, or, yeah, yeah. It might have been. Um, but for rap for for listeners who don't know who Mike James is, think of uh, Caldwell Pope, a lesser version on a very poor team, somebody needs to shoot the ball. He was the only person who could shoot the ball. Mm. I think everybody, nobody else on that team could shoot the ball. It was just him. I, I, I'd go with a, a poor man's Ben Gordon. Yeah, Madison Square Gordon. That's a good one. <laughs> I love Madison Square Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that Boston, was it Boston? That seven-game series with Boston and Chicago. Well, years back when, when Ben Gordon yeah, went when off. Ben yeah, Gordon went off. yeah that, yeah. Was a, that, that was one of the best series I've yeah. ever seen um, so let's switch back to uh, playoff talk a little bit I think much like the last couple of seasons this season is also where the Raptors will be judged in the postseason yes how do you approach the regular season differently this year so that in the playoffs you don't hit the same wall again granted LeBron's gone at this time is there a strategic change the Raptors have to employ when going through the regular season to avoid this continuous letdown? That's a tough question um, because you want the team playing the right way come playoff time. And I think Cleveland proved it. You also want the right matchup. I really think that Cleveland and LeBron James, they wanted Toronto like they would jockey games such that they got Toronto either in the opening round or the second round because they knew that LeBron owned Toronto. I think Toronto's got to be a bit more conscious about that matchup. Like you don't want to see, you certainly don't want to see Boston in the first round unless they're playing terribly. Uh, and and you just want the team kind of playing the right way. And I think it's important also this year with Kawhi and uh, it's Danny, not Gerald Green, right? Danny Green? Who we it's got? Danny Green. Danny Green. Yeah. I got, get them confused, Danny and Gerald. You want them to be well immersed into the team and parts of the team and doing that, you know, it's a process. And if that means losing a few games along the way just to sacrifice uh, for the playoffs, you do it. I think... Um, in the conference, they're going to be in and around 55 and a half, 55, 56 wins. And I think they can easily get to 60 if Kawhi is committed to winning and if he's healthy. I have no reason to believe why he's not committed to winning, so I believe he is committed to winning unless I see different. And uh, I, I believe he's healthy unless I see different. So perhaps we can get to the 60. And, and I think whether or not the, the Raptors hit that 60 wins is largely based on Kawhi. 
at 55, I think that they're going to be at 55 also because of the weakness of the Eastern Conference. I just don't think it's that strong. I think Boston is super strong. I think Philly will take a step. I don't think Milwaukee is that strong. Uh, I don't think New Jersey is that strong. I think Atlanta is terribly weak. I think the Knicks are weak. Um, I, I don't see many teams kind of giving the Raptors problems in the East. Um, and then I also think that the Raptors have a pretty good cohesive unit in terms of they, they've been there before. They know what they're doing. They're playing a similar system with a familiar voice in Nick Nurse. And even though the Raptors roster might seem young, they have a couple rounds of playoffs under their belt. They have a long regular season grind under their belt. And they, they are professionals. They, they, and they've shown that in the past. They've mowed through the regular season very well. And I have no reason to believe that they won't do that again. Mm-hmm. If, if you believe that it comes down between Toronto and Boston in the playoffs, yep. Yep. Um, let's say the Raptors don't have home court. Can they go and beat the Celtics in Game 7 in Boston? I would give us a fair shot. I do. But but the big X factor for me there is really how engaged Kawhi is, as yeah. you said. Now, if you look at Kawhi's personality, we talked about his silence in, in V1 of the pod. Uh, you know, he's always been a team player. He's been towing the line, says the right things when he does speak. Yeah. Um, so the I would never expect Kawhi to mail it in or do anything detrimental to the team or any of that. That being said, there's something to be said about the silence, I think, at the very least, because he has done nothing to dispel it. He's done nothing to dispel it now in like August, September, October. Uh, But once the season starts and once he realizes the winning basketball situation he's in here in Toronto, coupled with the weakness of the Eastern Conference, coupled with night in, night out, playing against kind of weak Eastern Conference competition and saying hey this is easy i'm the man here i'm ruling it this is a great basketball situation for me maybe that changes so right now he's like whining and pouting perhaps i don't know if he's whining and pouting maybe he's just a quiet guy you're right the professional thing to do would be i'm here in toronto i'm happy i'm here to field your questions today that's the right professional thing to do what he hasn't done hasn't been professional but it doesn't mean it's perhaps it's not right okay mm-hmm. So maybe he's pouting, maybe he's not doing the right thing, but once the season starts, there's no substitution for winning. Winning solves everything. You can play in sport, in team sports, you know this. You could play with guys you hate. The moment you start winning, everything changes. And that's what I hope happens in Toronto. And the other thing that you're kind of assuming is constant is Kyle Lowry's production. Yeah. Right? He's a year older. Yeah. He tends to get knocked up in the playoffs. And um, if, if there's one thing that we need to do different in the regular season is to make sure the guy's healthy. Oh, I'm, I'm sick of doing that for Kyle. I think we did it last year. I'm sick of it. Just, Kyle, you play. If you're healthy, play. I think where the Raptors really got shook last year was Fred being injured because they relied so heavily on Fred in the fourth quarter. I'm more concerned here. Hot take. I'm more concerned about Fred's health than Kyle's health. Uh, Kyle, we have how many more years? We got this year and next year left on his contract. Let's milk that for all it's worth. And if he's injured at the end of it, it, he's already shown the demand on the market isn't that huge for him. Mm -hmm. He went into free agency. Nobody's really knocking on his door. You know, he just came back here and said, I'll try free agency. He didn't get these huge max deals. Nobody offered it to him. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to offer that to him. Let's use his minutes, use him fine, get get us to where we need to be. If he's healthy, great. If not, I have a lot of confidence in DeLon and Fred. 
uh, and let's go. I'm sick and tired of pandering to Kyle Lowry. I, I, I'm done with it. I, it seems like you're done with the whole uh, <laughs> Lowry DeRozan thing for quite some time. I'm, I, I, I've seen it. We've seen their prime. We, we saw it. We got swept by the Washington Wizards in four with, with prime Kyle and prime DeMar. What was wrong with that? They went against prime John Wall and prime Bradley Beal, and we got swept 4-0. If those guys had anything, they would at least give us a game. And then against LeBron, what's our record? Like, what is it? One and... Two and something. Two and something. And those two wins came just because Bismack Biombo wasn't afraid of LeBron James. He gave an interview. It was beautiful. I remember Bismack saying, Bismack, are, are you afraid of LeBron? And he said, I'm afraid of no, I'm from Africa. I'm afraid of no man. I'm only afraid of lions. And it was beautiful, right? It was great. <laughs> I would pick at this point, the Raptors to come out of the East. Sure. I think, I think it would not be unreasonable to think that. Uh, I think Boston still has some growing up to do. Gordon Hayward is back. I, I know they're hyped up a lot. Their coach is hyped. He's, he's like an all-star coach. My wife, my, my wife, secret, when my wife sees Brad Stevens on the television, she swoons. She thinks he's the best. She thinks he's handsome. She thinks he's the best. It's amazing. <laughs> I think they can take Boston. So um, if, if you're of the wagering type, take some money, put it aside, and, and put it on the Raptors coming out of the East. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. That, that works if uh, there's not enough ball to go around in Boston, which could be the case with Hayward coming back and with Kyrie Irving uh, kind of coming back and playing more minutes. Mm-hmm. And with Tatum growing and realizing that he's possibly the best player on their team, and with Jalen Brown, who I think is a bit of a hothead, you know, wanting more ball. So you got four guys who kind of need the ball in their hands. And if Brad doesn't make that work, I think you're right. But I think Boston's still number one. Sorry, bud. A long time ago, when we first met, you told me a story about Uros Slokar. Uros, Uros Slokar, yes. Uros Slokar. Do, yeah. do you want to tell the uh, audience about Absolutely. this? Absolutely. Um, so. You guys need to remember that the Raptors were garbage for a long time, and we had players like Yugo Slokar being rammed down our throats, as in he is the next one. The worst draft pick I can remember, Hoffa Arujo. I mean, and right after was Andre Iguodala, for all you history Borniani. No, no, no. no. In the the draft. Yeah, in the draft. In the draft. We've had some terrible picks. So in the days when Facebook was young, there were all these mock accounts. But you could tell if there were mock accounts. There was like mock Michael Jordan or, uh, you know, mock Patrick Ewing, you could tell. But there was certainly no mock Euro slow car. Like, who would do that, a mock Euro slow car account? So I said, I'm going to do it. And I, I created a mock Euro slow car account. I got some images of him from Google Facebook image, or Google images and put them up. And then I went to a group. He was Slovenian. And I went to a Slovenian high school group and just started randomly adding Slovenian people so the people in Toronto thought it was more genuine. <laughs> And I had a lot of friends and followers. It was fantastic. And then one day I'm sitting at my desk and this is before I owned my own law firm. And I got a, I, I got a DM, I got a message and it was from another Euro slow car. But the image was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Cause it wasn't from like the Google images page. It's like, Oh, Oh no. Who is this? And he says, who is this? I said, I'm Euros. Who is this? No, I am Euros. And we had five messages back. I'm Euros. No, I'm Euros. I said, look, if you're really Euros, call me. Here's my office at my law firm. Give me a call. Okay. And he calls me and I have a a 15 minute conversation with Euros Slowcar on the phone about, 
me taking his account and him getting all these phone calls from people in Slovenia. And then he got a call from his girlfriend. His girlfriend was really upset at him because he kept telling his girlfriend, no, I don't have Facebook. I don't have Facebook. <laughs> it turns out he has Facebook and the girlfriend thought he was cheating on him. So he was really upset. So he wanted my account because I had all his Slovenian friends on it. And I said, I'd only give you the account if da, 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 da. I didn't really... I, I kind of gave it to him. I just want to play off tickets. He's like, sorry, man. I'm, I'm 12th man on the bench. I'm lucky to be in the NBA. I can't get you tickets. So that's kind of my Euro slow car story. When Facebook was young and it was fun. Now you can't do that sort of stuff on Facebook. Otherwise, uh, you'll get charged. You'll get sued. You go to jail. All sorts, all sorts of bad stuff. Facebook now gives you the blue tick. To tell you that you yeah, really Euro well, slow car. I don't think Euro slow car was big enough to get a blue tick. <laughs> you don't think so? I, no, he wasn't. I'm telling I've you. I've seen some pretty low follower accounts with blue ticks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Uh, I think. You, I think you can get a blue tick. Not a big deal. Let Let's kind of talk a, a little bit again on um, on uh, on Demar a little bit because uh, we we lost that audio right. uh, on on the first shot. Do you and, and DeRozan's obviously pissed. I mean, he's he's posting cryptic tweets and all kinds of things. Well, I want listeners to to hear this story about the Detroit Pistons the Pistons traded away Jerry Stackhouse their all-time guy he, he, he was a pillar of the community he was their leading scorer for many years they were making the playoffs but they had plateaued they traded away Jerry Stackhouse for an unknown in Richard Hamilton Detroit and the community was shocked and they were upset and then the Pistons a few years later ended up winning a championship with Richard Hamilton Chauncey Billis and Ben Wallace at the core this trade is similar, but not the same to that. It's similar in the sense that we traded away a pillar of our community in DeMar DeRozan, a great outstanding individual, individual, somebody who wanted to be a Toronto Raptor. We did for somebody who's perhaps an unknown. But what we do know about Kawhi is that if he is healthy, he's a top three player in this league. We have not had a top three player in this league since Vince Carter was performing in his prime. We just haven't. So you go for it. Uh, in terms of sympathy for DeMar, I have no sympathy for DeMar. DeMar DeRozan is making how much How much money next year? 20, 30 mil, right? He's got 20, 30 million reasons to be a happy guy. If he wants to come back to Toronto, we're always here with open arms. We're going to honor him like Masai said. Uh, I hope he's the first jersey that's retired. But we've seen the DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry replay done time and time again. They've been swept one against Washington, two against, how many times against LeBron? Twice. Twice, so that's three sweeps. You got to change it up. So I have very limited sympathy. And in terms of the messages getting crossed, look, I don't know who DeMar's agent is, but DeMar's agent's got to do a better job. And if DeMar DeRozan's looking for an agent, he can call me. I'm happy to go to San Antonio and help him out. Mm-hmm. Let me get your take on this whole DeMarcus Cousins, Golden State thing, and people asking, should the NBA have blocked this move? Oh, well, I, I mean, coming back from an Achilles is really hard, especially when you're seven feet tall and like 320 pounds. So I hope DeMarcus Cousins comes back and is healthy and vibrant and a good player. Uh, I don't think he's... I, I, I think DeMarcus Cousins is more, you know, a, a cancer to the locker room and on the court. Like whenever I watched the Pelicans play, whenever the ball was in DeMarcus Cousins' hands, I liked that because I knew he was either making a bad decision or taking a bad shot. Uh, as opposed to, because he was taking the ball out of Anthony Davis's hands at the end of the day. And once DeMarcus Cousins went down with injury, the Pelicans started performing really well. They had a, a decent playoff, uh, right? Anybody could have got him. Anybody could have got him. Just teams didn't want to take a chance. And Golden State wanted to take a chance. Perhaps in that culture, he 
develops and he fits it within the culture. Perhaps it goes the other way. I don't know. Or perhaps he doesn't even come back and play at all. You don't know. It's an unknown. Mm-hmm. So if you had it, you know, five and a half million dollars to spend, you could have spent it. Main challenger in the West for Golden State? Houston. Despite That's easy. Carmelo, the other cancer? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Carmelo's being reunited with his best friend, D'Antoni. You never know. They're not buddies. They're not. Who, who knows? Still, still Houston. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe LeBron does something with, with mm-hmm. L.A. He's got a decent young nucleus, and you can never underestimate LeBron. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Golden State's clearly the cream of the crop in the NBA. All right. Hey, I always wanted to ask you a question, man. And uh, this is a law question. Okay. Which intersects <laughs> with basketball. Okay. Uh, it has to do with ball boys. Ball boy. <laughs> if a ball boy is wiping the floor yeah, yeah, yeah. and slips right. on some sweat, right. Does he have any rights? Oh, totally. I could totally retire off that case. That's the multi-million dollar case. No, because the ball boy would be in the course of his or her employment. Call him a ball boy. But remember, for the years and years, the Raptors had a beautiful mop girl. Like, do you, do you remember her? We yeah. know. I know her very well. Yeah, right. she's part of my Twitter background. There you go. Yeah. So so ball person, mop girl, whatever you want to call the, the, the person. They're, they're in the course of their employment. And when you are hurt or injured in an accident in the course of your employment, uh, you have to generally go through WSIB or workers' comp. So I've never looked into whether or not MLSC is a Schedule 1 or a Schedule 2 employer. If they're a Schedule 1 employer, you have to go through the WSIB. It acts as a shield. You cannot sue your own employer in that case. So I trust that answers your question. If not, come in. My hourly is six fifty an hour. We can work something out. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple more law questions. Oh gosh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and this has to do with like a, a machine learning and AI. And, 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 okay. and I was talking to a you know a pretty. Um, uh, she's a lawyer and she's pretty up there in her firm, and she was saying that um, because of the advent of uh, or, or the or the advancement of these technologies. Uh, a lot of the legwork that lawyers used to do and, you know, looking at clauses and these kind of things yeah. is automated to the point where you do not, 15, 20 years down the road, you could have legal assistants that are completely AIs, which can which can advise you with greater accuracy than humans can. They, what they, do you, what they, do you they told me 15, 20 years ago that everybody would be driving electric cars today. We're not. They told me 15, 20 years ago that computers would be doing everything for you. They're still not. Is a computer, you you just got arrested, hypothetical. You just Mm -hmm. got arrested. You're in jail for bail. Is there a robot coming to bail you out tomorrow from jail? There's not. There's going to be a person bailing you out from jail. Um, You're in a divorce proceeding, okay? And you have to go to divorce court. Is a robot going to divorce court for you? No, they're not. For things like simple legal research, yeah, there is room for AI. For things like document review, there is room for AI. There will not be room for AI in the courtroom, in a court of law. There's never a substitute for a good litigator, full stop. People, people are always going to be around. You know, they, they are. Look, there was an accident with a Tesla car. Like, it ran somebody over. Everybody's trusting these Tesla cars like crazy on, on autopilot. They still run people over. You know, the, the technology will be there when every stoplight has a sensor, et cetera, but it doesn't. We can barely get 
in Toronto, our TTC line working, and it's got two straight lines. They can barely get that working properly. How are they going to put a sensor in every you know stop sign and stoplight? And even with these electric cars or, or these AI cars, are you really going to feel safe crossing the street with your son or your daughter holding their hand, knowing that there's a robot going? I'd be I'd be scared. You know, one little glitch and and, and you're toast. Mm-hmm. That, that that's the end of the law talk. Okay. <laughs> If I go upstairs, we're at Brian's house, by the way, and I open the closet, will I find a Raptors jersey there? No, none, none whatsoever. Never bought one? Uh, no, I've never bought a Raptor jersey. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Never bought a Raptor jersey. Um, I don't know why. I think it's because they've been so pathetic for a long time. We're only now in that kind of golden age where I'd feel appropriate wearing a Raptor jersey. Having said that, though, my son... He has a, a shirtsy, you know, a little one. He's got a Demar shirtsy before Demar got traded, and a Kyle shirtsy. Mm-hmm. So for all my kind of poison, I'm hurling at Demar and Kyle. Uh, I do love them. I've loved watching them develop. I still remember when Kyle was here competing for a job with Jose Calderon, mm-hmm. if you remember. And that. there was a debate about that. And there was a debate about that. And I remember when Kyle came to town not wanting to be in Toronto, moaning and groaning and pouting, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. And now he's a multi-time all-star. I still remember that. And just He's developed, and I, I've loved that development. And even, even with DeMar, that's, I think, the problem with DeMar. Everyone's so upset about DeMar leaving. He's one of our own. We saw him drafted when he was no gimmicks. Demar Derozan winning a dunk or participating in a dunk con- contest, which I thought he should have won without any gimmicks, and he had no jump shot. He was just an athletic guy who could really slash well and finish at, at the rim. And we saw him develop a handle. We saw him develop mid range game. We saw him develop some footwork and even somewhat of a three point shot. And that feels good. That gives us a sense of personal satisfaction and development, which isn't replaceable. And that's why I think that the fan base is kind of so upset by this deal towards somebody who appears to be aloof in, in Kawhi Leonard, who isn't talking at all to the media, and, and we don't like that. Mm-hmm. Just wait till the regular season starts. Wait till you see what he does. I hope he makes everybody around him better, Kawhi. And if they start winning, all will be forgotten. And you'll say, God bless Kawhi Leonard. That is best case scenario, uh, what happens with Kawhi. And he says, I love winning here. I'm in a great basketball situation. I can make more of my contract here than I can anywhere else in the league. I'm sticking around. All right, let's, uh, let, let's end the pod with, uh, um, with, with some previews. Uh, media day starts on Monday. Yes. Uh, anything that you look forward to during preseason? Anything you, that you keep your eye on during during this time of the year for media day, preseason? Or is it just like, let's get the games begin? Blake and Will's like top 10 things. I love reading that. And I, I, I want to just segue to that in terms of thanking RR for all their work. Because I remember the dark days when the only coverage for the Toronto Raptors was on TSN or Sportsnet or The Score. And TSN and Sportsnet kind of buried the Toronto Raptors stories. So you'd have to wait, you know, 15 minutes into the show after the Raptors' big win, you know. And it'd always be hockey, hockey, hockey. Everything was hockey. And, and that was very disappointing as a Raptor fan. And just the abundance of content right now for Raptor fans in this city is phenomenal. And that's why organizations like RR are so important. That's why I don't forget. I don't forget those dark days when it's just so hard getting content. And that's why RR is so important. And I still think that the content coverage by the major outlets isn't up to par. I don't. For a team this good, 
uh, I don't think it's up to par. And that's why I think our, our all will always have a role because unfortunately I think Toronto will always be a hockey city. Even if the Raptors win a championship, it will always be a hockey city. And that's why our, is important so that basketball heads, people who really like the game, get their fill, get their content. And that's why I want to commend you and the whole RR team. That's why I sponsor you guys because I love the content. Toronto needs more of that content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks man. Um, <laughs> Training camp, though. Training camp. What do I look for? Just play Just play the games. I want to talk to Nick Nurse. I want to say, look, do you want me to eat up a few innings, eat up a few minutes for training camp? Because I think these guys are ready to play. They balled the whole summer. They've been working out all summer. They're ready to play. Let them play. It's a long season to begin with. Just get it done with and let them go. Mm-hmm. What's, what's that record by Christmas? Oh, <laughs> Well, we play about 20, 25 games, let's say. By two, if, if they play 25 games yeah, by 30 Christmas, games, 30, 30 yeah. games, if yeah. they play 30 games, I, I don't think they're going to be as strong at, at, at Christmas. I, I think you're going to notice it on the tail end because they need a bit of time to gel. So I think that they're going to hit that 55 to 60 win plateau, but I think that more of their wins are going to come on the back end or their winner percentage will be high, stronger in the back end than the front end just because of a glue and cohesion thing. Mm-hmm. That's my prediction. You mentioned your Pistons heritage there for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Were you a Pistons fan? Yeah, because we didn't have basketball in Toronto for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. So the games on TV, you'd have the Lakers with uh, Magic. You'd have the Celtics with Larry Bird. And uh, you'd have the Pistons. And I was a huge Piston fan. Uh, I loved Isaiah Thomas. I loved Joe Dumars. I loved Vinny the Microwave Johnson. I loved there was a player, James Edwards, on that team. Spider Sally. They were phenomenal. And then I went to law school in Windsor and following a team essentially in a city where you are, it's just much easier. So you had the Piston Television Network with Kelly Tribuca and George Blaha. Like those were the commentators. It was fantastic. Following the team was really, really easy in a basketball market. Again, Detroit is a proper basketball market. And that's where I make the comparison to Toronto not being as good as it could be. Because I saw what it could be in Detroit, and they had proper pregame coverage, proper postgame coverage. You had like their middling players, like Michael Curry, if you remember him. Of course. Michael Curry used to play on the Raptors. He was on the Pistons. He was known for his defense and left handed dunks. He'd like pop into like WGLB, the hip hop station, give an interview saying, Yeah, we're going to kill the Atlanta Hawks tonight. And I can't wait to play him. It was fantastic. Um, that sort of coverage really resonated with me. It, it got with me, and I, I, I was a big Pistons fan. I'm a bigger Raptor fan now, but that's just, we didn't have basketball in Toronto and following the NBA was hard when we didn't have basketball in Toronto. And, and I'm guessing you, you saw the Joe Dumars era with the with Jordan, the late, uh, yeah. late eighties and yeah. all, all that stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. The Jordan rules, the Jordan rules. Yeah. You got to knock them down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you may have Dennis Rodman on the team too. Back they had then, Dennis, right? yeah. When Dennis Rodman was like somewhat normal, yeah. um, you know, before he came a caricature, he reminds me like Dennis Rodman, how he became a cartoon character reminds me of Jerome Williams, JYD, uh, JYD is a cartoon figure. So I like Jerome Williams, a basketball player, but I don't like his persona JYD. So when Jerome Williams played properly defense, rebounding energy, he was great when he was doing all the other silliness barking around, just focusing more on getting the crowd hyped up instead of guarding his man. I didn't like it. And then JYD had some ridiculous observations in Will Lou's podcast. So William Lou interviewed him, and JYD said stuff like, I really like Jakob Pertl's step back three. I don't remember Jakob Pertl attempting a three all year. I watched every game, and they complimented Pertl about playing within himself. And then here's JYD saying like, 
Jakob's got a great step back three, so he's going to be a big loss. And he's trying to be all Canadian, like, oh, you Canadians need to go to Bell Tire to buy your stuff. And Bell Tire, that's like a Michigan chain Bell Tire. I think he meant Canadian Tire. He, he just he, he just came off as a goofball. So, do you think he doesn't know who Jakob Pertl is or what a three is? Both. <laughs> Both. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what did you think of the other JYD that we got last year? DeMar Carroll. Uh, JYD 2.0? Yeah. The idea of him... <laughs> The idea of signing Demar Carroll was amazing. It was on good, paper. It was on amazing. Paper, it was great. It was like yeah. oh, I was excited. It was like great. We got we got a three and D player. He's good. He'll guard LeBron. This guy's going to be great. And then you see him get on the floor. He's like the Tin Man. You need to put oil in his knee. He needed that cod liver oil like uh, Delon Wright needs to walk around. You know what I mean? Uh, he was brutal. And then and then to I think he approached Jerome Williams to say, "Can I use JYD 2.0? And Jerome's like, "Yeah, sure. Anything to get my legacy going." Again. <laughs> uh, he was he was terrible. And then I hated it. He had the gall to wear these outlandish outfits and look like a pirate. You know, he he looked like a pirate when he wore. He, he, he had these insane outfits. I was like, focus more on your game and less on your outfit. When your game comes around, then you can focus on your outfit. Like you don't deserve to wear those loafers and that hat until you 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 put in a solid effort. He had a clothing line. Yeah, he needed to focus on his game. Period. If I were his agent and his manager, I'd say, look, you can have your clothing line all you want, but your game needs to speak louder than your clothing line. Otherwise, you're going to be doing this lame clothing line for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen anybody wear anything or buy anything? You know, a Damari Clar- Carroll? <laughs> Maybe no. if I go upstairs in your closet, I'll that's all I got. Damari Carroll. Uh, <laughs> that's, what I to, that's what I wear to suits. <laughs> <laughs> wear the suits to court. <laughs> all right, man. I think it's uh, we're probably hitting the hour mark at this point. Um I was going to ask you for your favorite Brian Colangelo mid-level exception oh, gosh. <laughs> signing. <laughs> I got some good candidates here. Capono, Landry Fields, Klaza. Lennis Klaza. Easy Lennis Klaza because he was rammed down her throat as the next one, the great one. And he was just garbage. He was hot garbage. So There's been a lot of hot garbage players and they all tend to be... I, there's been a lot, hot, a lot of hot garbage players in Raptor history. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. Maybe we'll save it for next time. I got a, I got a Linus Glazer story. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> so he's Lithuanian, and obviously JV is Lithuanian too. Yeah. And there's a Lithuanian festival that happens on Blore uh, every every year, and uh, usually Jonas shows up. Okay. And you know he waves and he you know shakes hands with the community. Everybody loves it. And is he great. in like a glass dome like the Pope waving around? So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask that. <laughs> And uh, so the year uh, Linus was here, he also went to the parade. Right. And uh, everybody's like, oh, we got two Lithuanians or, or right, Linus Lays is yeah. here, all that stuff. And uh, apparently, like, during the entire parade, he just was on his phone and, just, <laughs> and didn't even look at anybody. And when his time ran up, he just, like, walked off and left. And the whole community was like, we never got to shake hands with Linus Lays. <laughs> I couldn't stand it for good reason. For good yeah. reason. Yeah. But there have just been a lot of Raptors who have been rammed down our throats saying this is the next one from Klaza to Capono to Erojo to Alex Rodojevic to Ben Uzo to everybody. Like, just enough of this. Just give me proper players, proper talent who want to be in Toronto, who, who are proper NBA players and who should not be playing in, you know, the third tier in Europe. You missed Roko Ukic there. Of course I did. Yeah. I, all of those guys, you know them better than Primoz Brezic. Pre, I, I saw Primoz at a club. He really was a gangster. I'm telling was he? you, he was, he was true to his nickname, the Slovenian gangster. This guy was straight out of the hood. I don't know what hood Primoz was out of. He was out of the hood. That's all. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave okay. it at that. Uh, were you were you excited about the Hedo Turkoglu signing? 
No, no don't, 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 no. don't let hindsight bias you. Hito was, Hito was brutal. Like <laughs> the worst player. I, I can't imagine a worse player. And I remember when we, when we, when we drafted Joey Graham, it was, Oh, Joey Graham's got an NBA body. Oh, he's got an NBA mind. Oh, he's fantastic. I saw Joey Graham in person at a club. Okay. Joey Graham had silk pants and a silk shirt. The pants were up to his nipples. Man looked like Urkel. But he was dressed like that on purpose, okay? <laughs> he might have had an NBA body. He certainly did not have an NBA mind. He was not ready for prime time, period. All right, Brian. I think uh, <laughs> that's been, it's been a great hour. It should have been an hour and 20 minutes because uh, we did talk about your jingle uh, a lot. in the, the, in, in, in the <laughs> yeah. So the, the, uh, Brian has made a promise to give us a brand new jingle at some point. <laughs> uh, Brian, man, thanks for taking time out to talk to us. Thanks again for your sponsorship of the of the pod. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for accommodating us. My pleasure. And keep up the great work at RR.